Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Mobile Home Expert Podcast. My name is Jason Sroden, and I am joined by the legend himself, Glenn Esterson. Glenn, how are you? I'm doing great today, Jason. Thanks for Man, having you, me again. Man, yeah, back. well, it is your show. You're really happy. Uh, I got on your schedule. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but, you know, listen, I, I we were just talking, and we just thought it would be a good topic. It's the idea of why is it bad to say trailer park? You know, where did trailer park come from? How did it turn to mobile home park? And then how did it eventually become you know, a manufactured home community. So today on the show, we're kind of going to do a look back at kind of the etymology, if you will, of, of where we, where that came from. I know I went to school once and then we're going to talk about, you know, why some trailer parks for sale by owner. And I mean, mobile home parks might be a hot find. Uh, So, you know, those for sale by owner, but first, Let's start with, you know, I grew up in a trailer park, like a legit trailer park in Indiana. My grandparents lived in Hidden Valley Trailer Park in Cicero, Indiana. He died in that house. Yep. Um, when did it become not cool? Is it just because of the media? Like, why is it? Why is trailer bad? I think over time. And boy, like even even my first park was literally called Johnson Loop Trailer Park. Like like the sign said it all, you know, Um, and it used to not be kind of a bad word. But I think what what what's happened over the last two decades is a television show came out that, you know, kind of focused on the raunchy side of trailer parks and. It had a lot of riffraff, as I would call them, living in those things. Trailer Park Boys, that show? That might be the name of the show. I, you know, I, I wouldn't want to promote them right now. Right. Oh, gotcha. Gotcha. <laughs> but, you know, a show came out and I think it did a lot of visual damage to our industry. And, and you know, whether whether or not that stereotype existed for good reason. Okay, because there was a lot of places that, you know, fit that description. But I think that show brought it to life. And around that time, you know, is when we started hearing people talking about, you know, mobile home communities or mobile home parks or now manufactured home communities. Or even more recently, land lease communities seems to be the the more preferred nomenclature, 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 nomenclature. Thank you. Um, And. You know, we're, we're, we're seeing that trend as as we're trying to pretty up the, the image of this stuff because mobile home sales used to be above 300,000 units per year. And for the last 10, 20, 20, probably 20 years, 15 years, it's fallen off of a cliff to where now we're barely getting to 100,000 a year. I think last, I think two years ago, we crossed right over a hundred thousand this year, I think is going to be talking about new homes being added to the marketplace. Yeah. So, you know, it, it, it tanked and I, and you know, maybe it had to do with, you know, the quality of the parks back then and the type of people that, you know, that owned them and operated them, not, not having the the capital to infuse into these things to, to keep the life going. And so the tenant base got worse too. Eventually they made a popular TV show out of it because it's, it's a funny project to be in one of them things. 
And, you know, even my park was, I mean, it made that show look tame, you know, when I first took over my park, you know? Um, and so I think as we're rebranding this image, the name has to change and, and we have to have a better, you know, visual representation of this. And, and it's starting to, I mean, cause the homes today are nothing like the homes from yesterday. They're, they're beautiful homes nowadays, you know, they cost also, a lot more, but they're I mean, beautiful a, homes. A, a must, a bunch of home manufacturers must have went out of business during all of this because oh, they there must be very limited because if you're only making a hundred thousand, I mean, that's not very many of any, very many, not very many, you know, in and the scale of business, collapsed. that's nothing. Yeah. It collapsed by, you know, for some reason, as far as I, as, as far as I understand it, and I'm not the aficionado on the manufacturing side of the world about all the hows and whys and, and what's and things like that. But the bottom line is their sales tanked. And in the last couple of years, activity has really picked back up. Sales are climbing again and new manufacturers are coming back online. Right now in today's world, if you have a, you know a, a value add park and you need 200 you know homes to get brought in, good luck. If you need if you're a small park and you only need five homes to get brought in, good luck. You know I mean the the delivery times on these things, best case scenario for most you know uh, bigger buyers is you know three to six months, which isn't terrible, but it's not like it used to be where it was delivered you know very quickly. And if you're a small guy, the worst case scenario could be nine to 12 months. So there's a real bottleneck in there. And a lot of the inventory that's available has been called for already. <clears throat> so I think that's part of the rebranding process as well, is now that life is coming back, they're building better looking homes, you know, new money's coming under industry and really uh, revamping these parks, upgrading these parks. And, you know, it's for better or worse, you know, a lot of capital is getting infused into these parks from from this angle and that angle. And, it, you know, you hear bad press about rents going up, but you don't hear about the good press about how it's now a nice quality, you know, safe, clean park, you know, that you would let your grandma live in. You know, like we don't hear enough of that kind of stuff. So I think the packaging of that, along with the rebranding of the name. And then getting, you know, just getting a better PR thing going on is probably what's contributing to the the, the name changing that's that's been happening. And I, I, I expect to see a lot more of it. In fact, I know there's a lot more coming. Um, you know, we just had a, a discussion the other day um, with a, a, a fairly large uh, company that wants to really take over the, the branding for this industry and see if we can unify a bunch of uh, park owners and manufacturers and, and start putting money into a thing to really help rebrand our industry on a very national public level. I think it's necessary. I think it's necessary. Well, think yeah. Well on that, like what are some of the most common misconceptions or fallacies about the mobile home park? Oh, well, it's all, you know, it used to be when you, when you thought of a, of a trailer park, you know, um, that we wouldn't call it today anything like that again. Uh, but when, when when you think of them, you often think of, you know, the, the bottom rung of, you know, uh, of the social classes as far as living goes. You, you think of alcoholics, you think of drug addicts, you think of criminals, you think of, you know, dangerous type of stuff. You know, that's that's often that first image that comes to the head. And that that really isn't the case anymore. Now, there's definitely still parks that fit that mold, but the last 10 years has really turned our industry up. It's 
uh, around as, as a whole new investor groups have come in and really started turning parks. Um, some of them are, are you couldn't, you, you wouldn't be able to tell if they're still the same park. And there's still a lot more to go through. But I think it's, you know, I think we're finally hitting that part of the cycle where we're going to see this really finally turn and it be not the initial image you think of like a, like it used to be where you actually think of, oh, look how nice these things are. This is a good affordable option for my grandparents or for my whatevers. And I, I, I have a feeling that starts, um, you know, changing the tide. Because back in the day, yeah, they used to be like, my, yeah, I used to spend a lot of time in a park as a kid. Um, with one of my best friends that lived there. And, and that, that place was, was dirty, it was scary. It was all a bunch of, you know, all a bunch of what I would call riffraff today. And, and I'm sure there was good folks that lived there, you know, and, but it was the only affordable option back then for people. And so you kind of understand, like my, my friend was uh, on Section 8 housing back then or whatever the equivalent program was. And, you know, that's, you know, it, that's what the whole park was like. And, and the investor who owned it or the family that owned it, they didn't put any money into that park and it's just anybody with a couple dollars in their pocket could have moved in. And it was, you know, one step above a cardboard box. Exactly. You know, exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, that's where the stereotype comes from. It was well-earned. I have a feeling, um, especially in the South, um, you know, it, it, nowadays I, I don't feel it's appropriate anymore. And I do, you know, do think that, that we're going to see a much, you know, revived life into these parks over the next 10 years. What about the idea that uh, trailer parks, mobile home parks are not safe? Tornadoes love them. Like that kind of idea. Is that, yeah, like, is, you know, don't, don't live in tornado alley. I, I mean, that's like, I don't know how to get around that one. You know, <laughs> I like, I personally would have just nightmares every day if I was living in a place where tornadoes were like a thing I had to deal with. Like I, I'm not built that way. I can deal with an earthquake. I can deal with a hurricane. But the tornadoes scare the hell out of me. They're uh, terrifying. They're terrifying, man. They, you know, I watched too much Wizard of Oz or something as a kid. Dude, you know? I've been in. I I grew up in Indiana, so I like. Whew, <laughs> yikes, man! In a trailer. Yeah. Yeah. Imagine being you know, in a trailer in Indiana. Yeah, it's and we saw a lot of parks, and there's some amazing parks all over the place up there. You know that you know they make it through. You get even down into you know they make it through. You know, they last. I mean, a lot of times they have tie down straps and, and things like that that you know, help with it. the older homes. I'd be much more you know concerned with the new homes are all built to certain codes nowadays. And if you're in a, in a high wind area, you have to have a, a home that was built for that high wind area. You know, so like in the in the coastal zones, hurricanes are a real deal. I mean, we get hit by them every year, every time it just happens. Right. Yeah. So, you know, it's life. It's it's just part of life, you know. And so you had to take the the you got to secure your home the, the proper way. Um, and then, you know, assuming it was a well-built home and built the code and you secured it properly, you're probably going to be okay with it. You know, you're probably going to come through it just fine. Um, you know, it, it, it's the, the, Good luck. The, Good luck. the environmental risk doesn't scare me <laughs> in today's stuff as much as it used to, you know, scare me in, in for the older parks, like the older parks that had 1970s, you know, trailers and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Th those get a bit, you know, those get hit a bit harder, you know, but still, if you secure your homes well and you have the proper um, tie downs and, and, you know, window protectors and stuff like that, you should be OK. But at the same time, don't don't, you know, please don't buy, you know, a home right in the middle of Tornado Alley in the deepest part of the flood zone 
and you know you know expect to always be fine i mean i would highly discourage that kind of behavior yeah that's probably not the the the, the best idea <laughs> and why are people building them there in the first place i well people need places to live yeah. and and on that you know with now there being what's looking to be like a housing crisis or everybody panic buying houses or supply being low i don't know the whole story seems like that that mobile how mobile home housing number should be going up this year what's your speculation on mobile home park growth over the next 5 years well i i'm still now in the sales of manufactured homes i have I have big beliefs that it's that we're going to see some real big growth in that industry. As far as mobile home communities, as far as growth on that, I'm still not very hopeful, man. You know, like it's it's beyond it's beyond whether it's a viable idea. We all know it's a great idea. It's about more net losses in overall parks being you know taken down. And redeveloped or repurposed for something else because they have a hot corner in a good town, okay, where where it needs it should really stay a park. But you know, investors are going to put the highest and best use on on that on that parcel. Um, and then the parks that fall so far out of code that they're getting shut down. And when you look at the amount of new development permits and expansion permits and things like that, it still comes out. I I don't have the real numbers. But the last time I saw the real numbers a couple of years ago, it still came out as a net loss in overall of, you know, overall available sites, uh, in, you know, nationwide. Um, and the cities still aren't really friendly to us. OK, they still don't really want a so-called trailer park in their backyard, even if you go to them with beautiful plans about this great manufactured home community, they're getting friendlier. But you're still usually pushed further to the outskirts of town and stuff like that. You know, now Texas, Idaho, uh, some parts of North Carolina, uh, you know, and some other places are a bit more friendly. And we have seen some new developments. You know, Florida, we, we occasionally see some new developments happening there. Um, but I don't think it, it will outpace the supply or the demand that, that we have. And we're, we're still going to have a limited supply. Yeah. That, that it's makes take, sense. It's going to take like an act of Congress or something for them to allow, you know, to become more friendly where they're going to give some, you know, some guidance on why they should allow these parks and give the zoning for these. Parks. And incentives. It's all about incentives. All about the incentives. And even if they gave, even if we had, you know, carte blanche, do what you want, build as many parks as you can. I'm not even so sure that we would be overbuilt any time in the next 10, 15 years for this, for this industry, I think you would still have so many hurdles to clear that, you know, we're, we just don't see much of a risk of overdevelopment for this industry, you know, definitely what? not right now, but even if you try and peek far into the future, I think it's going to take a very long time for us to be overbuilt. What does the world look like in a 3d printed home world? Right. Like, is it like imagine uh, mobile home parks were now printed like with 3D printers like every yeah. I mean, that's got to be the future, right? 
I, I'm I'm thinking something like that's the future. I don't know. I mean, if you could three D print anything, are you three D three D printing a mobile home? I, I don't well, know. no, you're you know? three you're three D printing a house though. Like yeah, you're, it you're, you're 3D printing, and we're seeing that. We just saw. I think it's the the United States' first three D printed community come up. I think it was in Nevada somewhere. Um, and uh, it's pretty cool looking, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty cool looking. You can it's do, a, I mean, that's one of the things I'm interested with hempcrete is printing 3d houses in foreign countries like Jamaica or Haiti, where they're living in these tin shacks. It's like, yep. we can grow hemp, turn it into concrete and then 3d print a house, which is really yep. cool. Yeah. There's some just, neat stuff out there. I mean, I saw a really cool one that was meant for Haiti. Um, and it was these guys, they, they fill these bags, like one continuous giant bag, like a blow up type of balloon thing. But it's you, you fill it with water and it activates all of the, the concrete powder in this thing. And it makes like a, a big dome home, you know, that's, that's really 100 cool. percent concrete that, you know, you, you know, it's not have any interior stuff, but it's got a concrete floor, a concrete wall and ceiling. And that's all and, that's the most important. You know, like I thought that was genius. And that guy was producing them for like, you know, 10,000 bucks a piece or 5,000 bucks a piece, something really small. And I was like, that's the most genius thing ever, except for the shipping. I'm sure the shipping's astronomical yep. to, to, to take it from point A to B. But um, there's some really creative ideas out there right now. The, the, that, the 3D printing stuff for housing is definitely going to be a factor in the future. I think modular housing and manufactured housing is still going to have a huge component in our future, especially the, the modular stuff. Like I just, you know, saw an apartment building built out of, out of modular containers. Um, you know, we're seeing really, really nice upper end housing being built now with the modular housing. Um, and I think manufactured housing, as long as we don't try to, to, to get more aggressive than current housing prices, I think there's always going to be a place for, for a manufactured home. When you say um, you more know, aggressive, like, like, well, crazy pricing, higher pricing. Yeah. Even higher pricing, you know, so like a nice double wide in most places, you know, I mean, you can easily spend a hundred thousand dollars on that, you know? And so when in a lot of these markets, especially, you know, even here in North Carolina today, there's still a lot of markets that need new housing, but there's available housing and you can pick up for less than a hundred thousand dollars. You know, it might not be the greatest house, but it won't have the stigma of being a manufactured house, you know? Um, from from a resale standpoint. Um, and so I think, you know, I, I think our prices have to moderate at some point, you know, like because, you know, the same house, the same single wide house that you could buy a year ago for thirty five thousand is now like forty thousand dollars. That's that's a lot of appreciation, you know, in, in, in cost uh, for for just one year. And, you know, two years ago, it had been probably a thirty two thousand dollar house. So we're seeing a, a pretty high escalation in, 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 in these costs of these homes. And a lot of it is materials, you know, like right now wood's so ridiculously expensive that, you know, things are going to be more expensive. What, what do you think in terms of, you know, if, if you're looking for deals, I've seen a few of them, uh, people who are selling like a trailer park for sale by owner or mobile home park for sale by owner, those seem like they might be good finds. Like when you can get them, any advice on that? Cause I ran into a few the other day and I was like, man, how is it going to be dealing with directly with the trailer, the, the owner and then who owns oh, the lot, et cetera, et cetera. I, I would say if you're the buyer, hope you're smarter than the seller. Okay. Um, because 
he's going to tell you what he thinks about his supposed gross revenue and his supposed expenses. And it's going to be a number that, you know, probably doesn't really make sense when you put it on a professional model. Um, and he's probably going to want that NOI that he's giving you to be capitalized. And you have to really wonder, is that park on home revenue? And, you know, like, what's the, the, you know, what's the lot rent cap rate, not just the global cap rate, you know, because all that's going to come into play. But yeah, absolutely. You can absolutely find good deals working directly with a first sale by owner type of park seller, a FISBO, if you will. Um, and, you know, it, it just, you have to be aware of what red flags to look for. Because if you don't know what you don't know, you won't know to ask. So you really got to got to think about, you know, the infrastructure, the management, the tenants, the, you know, the, the general operations. You got to think about, you know, how that money, you know, is actually, you know, being collected and where is it getting put to. And you have to kind of think from, you know, how the bank, is the bank even, you know, going to finance this thing for you? And if so, what are their requirements? Because you at least need to get that out of the seller so you can get the bank to be able to bring the debt but I mean, yeah, man, like my first, you know, my first park, it wasn't a FISBO, but it was, you know, it was a relationship thing. Wait, what does FISBO mean? Wait, I don't know what FISBO means. First sale by owner, F-S-B-O, FISBO. Oh, okay, got um, it. Um, you know, it, the first park I bought was technically through a broker, not that the broker knew, knew anything about the park, but the seller and I essentially struck our deal together and, and the broker did his own thing. But, you know, he got paid for it, of course. Um, but you know, you're able to get a better deal when you get the broker out of the way oftentimes, but you're taking some risk on because you don't know what to ask. You don't know what, you know, what to be looking for. Did you know to ask what kind of sore pipe he's using? You probably didn't, you know, unless if you've done this a few times, you know, and, you know, because you don't want to buy clay sore lines. That, that could be a miserable time for you, you know, and so you got to know what to ask if you're going to do a for sale by owner type of deal. Um, the pricing, you know, most, most park owners kind of know what their price is, is more or less worth, you know, plus or minus 20%, right? So depending on where you're trying to buy that park at, you know, you want to kind of really understand what the fair market value is for it. You got to understand what the debt's going to look like for it. So you can understand how you're going to cash flow off of it. But, um, you know, I always recommend to, to use a broker because they'll give you third party opinions and third parties advice. And, you know, most of us don't charge too, you know, too much to represent a buyer in a transaction like that. Always and, better to go with the pro always better know, to go with the like, pro. Look, if you're, if you're going out trying to get, like, I was thinking that these were being man, just how naive I am. I was thinking that these were people who like lived in the, the home oh, who no. were trying to sell them. Like in my head, it's like, hi y'all, I'm ready to sell. Like, yeah, like, not too often, you know. There's some parks that owners do live in, and, and I'm always impressed with these guys and their willingness to, to be there in the middle of it. Um, I mean, imagine I, how many times, you, you know when you sell somebody something and you give them a really good deal, they're usually the worst client. They yeah. require a lot of maintenance. That's how I yeah. imagine a lot of, of mobile home parks are like there's people who require a lot of maintenance, even though they're paying so little, they expect so much. They expect, they, they expect it all still. And in and, and my park, I mean, like the rents were a hundred dollars. Okay. You know, like a hundred dollars. Oh, how dare you? Like capitalist and, and the amount of demand that would sometimes come from them just wouldn't make sense, you know, for what they're doing. And I'm always, was always a nice guy. And I'm like, okay, okay, okay. But after years of dealing with that, I, I just, 
you know, I, I started saying, I'm not, I'm not doing that anymore. But, I want know, gold faucets. Your waterline pop. You know, you know, winter comes every winter, you know, like, like, come on, you know, and it's, it's, it can be challenging. It can be challenging. Um, the the amount of uh, of people who uh, own their own trailer uh, mobile home parks is is probably rare, so I don't think we'll have to worry about that very often. Yeah, the mom but, and pop is disappearing, unfortunately. The new breeds come in, and you know, maybe in ten years we'll call the new breed the mom and pops. I don't know, but you know, there's you know all levels of ownership right now from you know guys that are looking to buy just some trailers so they can, you know, put them in somebody else's park to the institutions that are public companies and, you know, work on a whole different mathematical scale than, than, you know, any mom and pop could ever even dream of. So it's everything in between and it's rotating and it's definitely still well into the, the consolidation effort of, you know, getting all these parks wrapped up because there's only 50,000 parks, you know, like just not a lot of parks, you know? <laughs> yeah. You must see, I mean, you've been in the game a while. Have you sold like the same park three times? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just, just closed the deal the other day. It was the, it was the second time in three years I've sold it, you know, um, you know, and, and there's a couple of parks that we're under contract with right now that, that, that it will be the third time on those parks. That's incredible. Um, what a business. Yeah, what a business. business. Look, if you want to learn how to be in this business, Glenn has an amazing book. It's called the mobile home park manifesto. You can get it on his website. You can get it on Amazon. He's also just released an amazing, such a great value. Thousands of dollars below what other folks are charging. We're talking about a couple hundred bucks for Glenn's course. Now, Glenn, Tell me about the course. I know you've told me about it a lot, but it's always better coming from you. Yeah, sure. So, you know, I, I, it's it's a course that we designed as an introductory level. It's called the Mobile Home Park Masterclass. Um, and uh, it might be the Mobile Home Park Expert Masterclass. I, I don't exactly know the name of it, but it's on our it's on our website. You'll see Masterclass. It's only two hundred dollars, one ninety nine. And you can even put it on a payment plan. You know, I think I think it's twenty bucks a month. You put it on the payment plan. Um, there's about seven to ten hours of of course that's there. You know, between the videos and the reading and the stuff like that, we give tons of templated information that you can download from databases to you know due diligence lists to all sorts of underwriting you know models and things like that. And you know, it should give you you know, a pretty solid understanding of the industry and, 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 you know, pairs well with the book, you know, and we also include a free digital copy of the book with it as well. Um, and so, you know, the idea is, you know, to, to, there's a lot of guys out there that say, geez, the next, the next introductory option, you know, is a couple, literally a couple thousand dollars, you know, there's literally $2,000 is your, is your cheapest option to learn about the industry. And this is not as comprehensive as that $2,000 course. No, it's definitely not, okay? Like that's hundreds of hours of courses, right? Whereas this is really set up so you would know if you would even want to take a further step in this the is industry. step one. This is dipping your toe in the water. Exactly. This is getting you know. a sense. This is like what I'm doing, but 
in a in a much more methodical way <laughs> the yeah, way a normal person would learn about something yeah it's fully outlined and you know we spent a lot of time putting this course together i mean obviously i'm not in it for the profit on it if you don't like it i'll give you your money back but it's really just about helping guys learn more about this industry so we can get some some new you know some new blood brought into this industry that that will kind of encompass the the the, the concepts that, that that we try to promote with, you know, empathy and understanding and, you know, still how to make a lot of money in this industry, but but do it with an ethical standard uh, so we can kind of mitigate some of the bad press that this industry gets. Because we need we need that kind of stuff being brought into our industry. And it's really centered around these kind of core subjects. And you'll get, you know, my, even my underwriting models that we use, you know, currently today, even. Uh, and, and some really basic ones to some really advanced ones and how to build your databases, how to all that kind of stuff. And there's a, a table of contents you can view on there, you know, make decisions before you buy and all that kind of stuff. Make sure you go to the MHP Check out the masterclass, get the book. You, you really don't have anything to lose. Glenn will give you the money back. He does not care. Trust me. He really just wants to get this out here. It's like a sickness. Glenn, thank you so much for uh, always giving us such good information. If you'd like to reach out to Glenn, hit him up at G Esterson at the MHP expert.com. You can also call him at his fancy number. Oh no, I forgot it again. Glenn. Uh, what is it? It's our it's our team hotline. You know, it's seven two zero M H P. The number four Y O U M H P for you. And you know, it, it rings to who's ever assigned to the the phone that day. And you know, we all call you back. Um, and you know, you could always you could always just shoot me an email or leave us a message on the line. And, and somebody, if not me, on my team will be giving you a call back. And uh, we're we are lining up a bunch of cool episodes, Glenn. We have a live episode, I believe, coming oh, yeah. up soon. What is that episode about? I have to start studying for this one. You guys are starting to get complex. Yeah, this one we're we're going to take a chance on this this upcoming one. It's going to be centered around the ten thirty one, and you know the will it or won't it still be here later in life kind of conversation. We got an expert coming up. Uh, with us on this one. And um, I think, I'm not sure if we've announced him yet, but. Uh, yeah, I don't think we have announced it yet. He's with uh, Madison Group, uh, 1031. You guys might remember Yona Weiss with Madison Group. So this is like a sister company of. Oh, Madison. nice. And uh, Michael Brady is, is a 1031 specialist that's going to be helping us. Uh, and here to answer some live Q&A stuff and, and here to just talk about the future of the 1031. I'm really curious how it goes. Um, well, what is the know, 1031 for those who might not know? <clears throat> sure, so the 1031 is a, uh, um, a, a tax savings on your sale of commercial property and, and uh, uh, non-primary residence. Oh, is this so, a step up thing? Yeah, it's just how you, you remove your step, you know, you're able to step up your basis and not pay capital gains when you when you go and sell your uh, car after 12 months. And it's it's not just about our industry. It's the entire, you know, all industries that, you know, uh, involve real estate mm -hmm. investment. Um, and so it used to be a swap of like kind properties. Okay? 
nowadays it's just a swap of all investment properties against all investment properties, but you're able to not pay the tax man at this point in time and you perpetually, the way it's written now, uh, defer your, your, your taxes from a sale, uh, any gain on that sale. Let, let me tell you something, Glenn, anybody who's from that firm, Yona has saved me and my friends at least a million dollars in the last year. Like oh my God. he's a legit person right he away. I connected him with people. He's a nice guy. You are going to want to tune in. What date are we doing that Glenn? Um, I'll tell you here in a second. I think we're for, uh, is it the 11th? That sounds correct. Why um, is June 11th? Yep. June 11th at 1 30 PM Eastern time. And we'll put something out on Twitter, on LinkedIn. Um, we will make sure to do a podcast before that. So lots of exciting stuff happening on the MHP expert part, the mobile home expert podcast, man, trailers, mobile home parks. It's been a whirlwind today. Glenn, thank you so much. Everybody. Thank you for listening. We will see you next time.